Welcome to More Than a Few Words, a marketing conversation for small business owners. MTFW is a production of Roundpeg, where we help small businesses become big businesses. As always, you can join the conversation by calling in with your questions at 805-285-9865. Or you can share your thoughts on Twitter. Be sure to use the hashtag MTFW. Now, let's get the conversation started. Good morning, everybody. This is Lorraine and Allison. Good to see you all. We are uh, chatting today with Christy Smith of um, Indie, Indie Homes, and we're going to be talking about social media and real estate. Good morning, Christy. Good morning. Christy, it is really nice to have you here. Before we get started, why don't you tell folks just a little bit about your business in general, and then we'll dive into the topic. Super. Well, I am a real estate agent in Indianapolis. This is my 10th year in private practice. I am affiliated with ERA Real Estate, which is a national franchise. Uh, I've really grown my business to being in the top 10 or 15 agents in the Indianapolis market, which is the 12th largest city here in the country. Um, the market's doing well. I have five associates that work with me, some licensed, some not licensed. And uh, we try and have the right person on the right seat on the bus on our team, so we all kind of do different things. Um, kind of niched in some corporate relocation, so I love helping uh, employers attract top talent to the Indianapolis marketplace. So we help buyers and sellers as well as corporate clients um, help relocate talent to Indy. Awesome. And, um, I, you know, I met Christy uh, probably uh, right after you got started, probably almost 10 years ago, and it's been fun as my business has grown and yours to kind of see um, some of the changes and some of the creative things that you've done. And that's really what we want to talk about today is some of the more creative marketing things that you've done. Um, before we jump over to social media, do you want to talk about your cookbook? Oh, um, the cookbooks that I was um, doing with um, Chef Joseph. Yeah, that was a great um that was a great concept. Yeah, so I raised some money for leukemia for the um LLS which is Leukemia Society here in Indianapolis and I was doing the Man and Woman of the Year campaign looking for some really creative ways to raise money. Um well, people really will pay money if they get to buy something. So um, I partnered with Chef Joseph, who's a local chef, that did this incredible cookbook. I mean, it's just amazing. Um, and I'm not a big cookbook person. You know, I'm the first one to go online to look for a recipe. But um, it was a story of his life as well as wonderful gourmet cuisine with these wonderful pictures. Anyway, it was right around Mother's Day. It was a perfect gift to give for your mom or um, sister or someone who's into food. And it was right during Mother's Day and Father's Day. So I bought 2,000 cookbooks for him at cost, and um, I was able to sell them at retail. And he was just a wonderful giver and um, getting his message around the city and raised lots of money for charity. And, and, you know, and that's, I mean, to me, that's very creative marketing because now you've got these 2,000 cookbooks um, that were associated with you and your brand. And um, I think it's that kind of innovative willingness to talk about things other than just the next home for sale, which has made your brand, I think, a little bit interesting. Well, and the poor guy, he signed every one of them for my um, receiver, so that was so great, great of him. Awesome. 
And uh, cool. Okay, so so besides cookbooks, I mean, I just I remember that because I remember you had some of those at one of the Navo meetings. But talk in general about sort of your philosophy on marketing and how you stand out a little bit um, from all the other realtors in the indie community. It's a big real estate market, and there are a lot of realtors. Well, you know, when I got into real estate, I'll tell you the the perception. And I came from the corporate world, so this is my second decade. So my first decade was just a normal corporate marketing executive and then just made a crazy hair in the entrepreneurship. So when I got into the business, you have to remember this was back 10 years ago, especially for females in the business. I mean, my role models were women that had glamour shots, photos, and the feather boas around their necks and, um, you know, envelopes in the mail with bubble gum that said, you know, just sold or, you know, we love referrals. So that was about my stereotype of real estate agents, you know, back in my day of starting. And I just thought, gosh, there has to be a better way because what other business do you just, mail someone something that says, I love referrals. Um, and, you know, nowhere else I didn't think glamour shot photos were pretty acceptable in, you know, business. So I just uh, met a mentor who's still my boss today, and he looked at me and said, Christy, you are a marketing machine, and what you have done in the corporate world, just do that with a new product. Your new product is yourself, marketing yourself, and the homes that you take into inventory that you need to sell. So just pretend that that's your new product and do what you already did well. So that was the very best advice I could have gotten my first year in the business, and I didn't fall in the trap of doing what I guess I thought I was supposed to do as a new realtor. And my background was healthcare. So in healthcare, if you know anything about that industry, everything is evidence-based. Evidence-based medicine is the lingo. You can't do anything without the data supporting your decisions. And so I had been 10 years in the evidence-based world, and I decided I was going to do evidence-based real estate. So everything that I do is based on data, research, and what does the, what do the numbers say, and that's how I um, approach my clients. Cool. It's really about how good marketing really transcends industry. I think I think that's absolutely right. That that uh, regardless of your product or service, good marketing applies. That you know you created a brand, and you know I mean when I look at your photograph today, um, the pose is very similar to the way the, the way I've seen you position yourself over the years. A kind of a very confident, very professional. It, you're right. It's it's not the traditional glamour shot. And I think that served you well. Talk to us a little bit about how you apply this, what you call evidence-based marketing to your real estate business. Great question. What's interesting is that a lot of real estate agents, I think, are afraid to use the core, the core thing that they're hired for, which is consultation. So when you're hiring any kind of professional, whether it's a physician, a lawyer, uh, someone like Lorraine to be a strategic marketing force for your business, you're really looking for that intellectual capital is what they bring to the table, right? You're buying service, knowledge, and some product. I think a lot of um, a lot of real estate professionals have lost that ability, and I believe that the number one thing that I'm hired for is my consultant, my consultative skills, um, being a good negotiator, and really telling people what needs to be done. And that is the and that's all evidence based. So when I sit down with a client, 
you know, whether it's what do we need to do to get this house ready, who is the most likely buyer who's going to buy the house, and how do I reach them, um, or, um, you know, how long is this house probably going to take to sell, and what, what pricing is really correct. You know, you don't know what to believe anymore. We just go to the numbers, and I do absorption rates so I can tell you how many months of inventory exist in your type of product, how long it's probably going to take. Here's what other things are selling, and this is what buyers are choosing. And quite frankly, here's what your competition is right now. And that's what matters when selling a home. A lot of people say, you know, Susie's house sold for this, you know, three months ago. It doesn't matter because Susie's house is gone and the current buyers are only jockeying you up against, you know, these 15 homes. So how do you fare against these competitors? That's what matters today. Absolutely. Cool. So as you're kind of creating this identity and and you've got all this evidence and you've got all this information, I mean, when I look at that, to me, that's the foundation of a great social media content strategy. It makes good blog posts. It makes good updates. How are you using social media to extend your brand and and share some of this information? Well, what's interesting with my business, it's different than a lot of people, is anyone's a potential customer. I mean, kind of. You know, most people live somewhere, and many of those people, especially in our market, are homeowners or condo owners of some type. Um, so really the world is my oyster, if you will. Um, that's good and bad because a lot of people in industries like mine where they can sell their widget or their service to literally anybody, you have to figure out who you are and what your identity is. Because the last thing I want to be known for is, oh, my gosh, here comes Christy Smith. She's going to start talking about houses or, you know, I love referrals or, you know, whatever, whatever. So what I had to realize is that, yes, my career is a big part of what I do, and Everyone is a potential prospect, customer, or knows someone who's making a move this season. And how do I balance that with personal relationships as well as professional relationships? Um, that was kind of the biggest thing for me because I certainly didn't want to be that overwhelming person who just talks about real estate and wants your business. But at the same time, you want people to know what you do and that you're available. And, you know, if you ever have any questions about the market, I'm here. So I think it really becomes a conversation, and that's how I went into um, any of my media or social media efforts is that I just kind of go by what people ask me about. Everyone asks me, how is the real estate market? What are interest rates? Oh, would it just be horrible to sell right now? You know, that's not because they're coming looking for a sales pitch. They're just having a conversation. So a lot of I was going to say, that sort of information um, really makes great content because it um, it is the kind of thing that people look for over and over again. Well, one of the things I noticed about your blog is you also talk about more conversational things. I loved the, should Indianapolis embrace Naptown and, you know, discover the White, uh, White River State Park. So you're you're really sort of talking about Indianapolis as a city, not just a place to, to buy a home, which makes a lot of sense for you because you said you target so many relocation people. 
Absolutely, and I think a lot of people see me out, you know, I'm very involved in the community, that my blog can also become a destination on, you know, what's there to do, what's good restaurants, what are some of the summer activities for me and my family, especially if even if you've lived here a year or so, you may not be fully connected in the community yet. So all my transferees I try and help um, long term as they assimilate to the city. And I think that uh, that bigger picture really speaks to knowing who your customer is. Um, you had some real success, and I think some of it was using social media, specifically around leasing homes for the Super Bowl. Why don't you talk a little bit about that and how that worked? Yeah, you know, I, it was a very busy time for my business. The season, real, the real estate season, kicked off at least four to six weeks earlier this year than it did before because of the break in the weather. So during the Super Bowl season, I was very, very busy with regular residential real estate. So I did not I was not one of those companies that went out of the gate looking to market homes for the Super Bowl. Just, you know, I, I'm very blessed with good business and the business was early this year. However, I had a friend that wanted some help leasing their home and I said, Oh sure, you know, I'll I manage my own site, I'll do some stuff, my site comes up good in the search engine results, I'll see if I can help you out. Well, I can never do anything halfway. So, of course, I start jumping in to do anything, and it has to be, you know, all or nothing. So then I decided to build a, a few pages of good content, and lo and behold, Channel 13, which is our local, I think, NBC station here, I got a call from a local reporter, Bruce Kopp, who found my virtual tour that I did on YouTube for this one house. It was a luxury home that was getting leased, and he found the tour of it on YouTube and called me and said, I want to talk to you about leasing homes for the Super Bowl. And I didn't have the heart to tell him, oh, really, that's just a house of a friend that I'm helping out. I'm really not doing this <laughs> very much. But I thought, oh, hey, all PR is good PR, right? <laughs> so I said, I said, Oh, great. So he was coming in like three days. So I decided within, you know, one to three days, I decided, okay, I'm jumping in. I'm now the expert, and I'm going to do this. So long story short, I ramped up the website. I did really invest in some Google advertising just the two weeks once the teams were selected. So I had everything ready. I had systems in place so people had to go to my site and contact me a certain way because we, we had thousands of calls coming in. It was just crazy. I had to hire some friends to just come help me answer phones, take down what they were looking for, and then I would go and scour and try and find properties. Because I hadn't been in a business long enough specializing in this to have a network of people that I had already looked at their homes and previewed them and made sure what level they were at, how much they were probably worth. I had about 15 to 20 homes that I was representing. And then I just went and found all the other properties that I needed once I needed them. So I ended up, long story short, I took two weeks off work um, from the day that the teams were chosen, and I literally did a deal the day um, the Saturday of Super Bowl weekend even. And, um, yeah, did about 20 to 25 deals and got them leased and, um, you know, made commissions on all of those opportunities. And really what was neat is I helped a lot of people locally that, you know, the money for them was just such a blessing at a time when it was needed and wanted for their families and was able to just help out some local people, um, you know, after the holidays, which, you know, that's when a lot of people need cash. It sounds like it's it's really boils down to one of the principles we talk here a, a lot around, think about being able to pivot based on the market conditions. This wasn't something that you were 
really looking for, you were just trying to help out a friend, but when the opportunity presented itself, you were able to move quickly enough and get those systems in place, those, those conversion funnels and those sales tools that were just able to let you quickly move into this industry that you never really thought you were going to do in a big way. Yeah, and, you know, the interesting piece about the whole thing is that I had just launched my WordPress site in December. So before that, my site was getting old, and I had to log into Dreamweaver. And, you know, now, gosh, you're going to become an expert in something or blog about something that just happened to you today. Um, you know, I can come back to my computer, log in, and create whatever I want to create. So um, really the new website was what completely allowed me to um, – to be successful. As soon as someone gave me a photos of their home, I could pop them up on a page and talk about their property and have it out for, you know, everyone in northeast United States being able to look at it and their plan to come here. You know, and that's um we uh we made the transition to WordPress probably four years ago and that was one of the big things for us was the flexibility that it gave our um, customers, and I don't think that we even anticipated back then how critical that was going to be as social media has become um, sort of this ravenous creature that just sort of eats content all day long. And, and if you want to be active, you've got to have this new information and be able to kind of flex on uh, and pivot on a dime like this. Yeah, one thing I'm most excited about moving forward, I'm sure you're familiar with the long-tail searches, that is how most people search for real estate now. People usually don't just search, you know, Indianapolis realtor or moving to Indianapolis or Indianapolis homes. I mean, ideally that would just be so easy. But people now search very long-tail based on what they want. So, for example, you know, um, waterfront on Geist with a boat dock master on the main level, right? So they're, or, you know, um, private schools for an autistic child, north side Indianapolis, right? So people are Googling things very specific as to what they want in a neighborhood, as to what they want in schools, as they want in, you know, an actual home with a swimming pool or something like that. So my phase two, what I'm really excited about going live here, I have some developers working on it now, is that we are breaking down the different neighborhoods in Indianapolis based on what they offer. So if you want, you know, to search for neighborhoods that have a community pool only because that's important to you, or you need, you have a big RV that you want to park in your front yard, and most neighborhoods have covenants or restrictions above against that, you might want to know, hey, what are some neighborhoods that don't have covenants or restrictions so I can park my RV um, during the off-season or, you know, whatever. So I'm really kind of knowing how people search and want to create a website to say, hey, if you're looking for Carmel neighborhoods, that have a community pool and tennis courts, what neighborhoods would you like to drive by and would be good for you? Here's all the ones that even qualify. Um, and it's really kind of cool to get a lot of people like to fall in love with a neighborhood and then wait for houses to come for sale in those neighborhoods. And um, so I'm kind of doing a lot of education on neighborhood quality because I think neighborhood quality is one of the most important things that people forget because they fall in love with a house first and then don't realize how crappy the neighborhood is, and then they want to move. You know, I mean, and, and I was one of those people that made the um, relocation move here and was very fortunate that found a great house in a great neighborhood. Um, I, I, I hate to do this, but we are running out of time for this portion of the program. Um, but, Christy, I really want to thank you, and um, 
remind people that if they are looking for um, a home, if they know someone who is, they definitely want to check out IndieHomes.com um, and look for you both on Facebook and Twitter, correct? Yes, and I'm at Christy Smith on Twitter, and we are Facebook slash Indie Homes team on Facebook. Awesome. Well, Christy, I want you to stay on, but at this point, I'm going to hopefully bring on Stephen Shattuck for this week's half-baked marketing idea. Stephen, are you with us? I'm here. Good morning. Good morning. Okay. So, half-baked marketing idea. What do you got next? What do you got for us? It's everyone's favorite week this week. It's the NPR Pledge Drive Week. So if you're a public radio listener, you've had your programming interrupted by some banal chit-chat from people who want you to give the public radio. My iPod's going to work Yeah, I bet it has. Before I jump into this, this is all for fun. I am a supporter of public radio. Please don't write a blog post about me. But... Okay, we have yeah, some, just in case you're curious, me too, and I understand yeah. it's, uh, I'm going to do the pitch now real quick, that Thursday, Rocky? Yeah, um, for those of you who know, 12 oh, yeah. and Video, owned by um, our good friend Rocky Walls, local video company, they are actually going to be doing a challenge grant Thursday morning in the 9 o'clock hour um, here on WFYI, our own local NPR station. So for those of you who, like me, have not yet given, hold off another day, Wait till the nine o'clock hour and support not only a great public radio station but a great local company. Okay, good. So now, Stephen, how do we fix so, the drive? Well, let's first talk about the challenge grant since we mentioned Rocky. So they have a business owner on, I think, like every hour to do a challenge grant. So if if so many people give a thousand dollars, that company will match that donation, and that's great. That doesn't really get people's juices flowing, I don't think. So what if we incentivize people to give to match that grant? So if everyone gives the thousand and matches, you know, Rocky will do something crazy on air or or in person. So there isn't really an incentive to match that grant other than the money, which they should give anyway. So if, if no, we so if we having Rocky agree to um well this is probably more a BG Kahuna thing, um agree yeah. to uh Run around the circle, painted differently, right. wearing stars. Wait, 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 I thought this was something people would want to see. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe I, if I we match the grant. Not to happen. Either Rocky, Kahuna, pretty much anybody. I don't need to see run around in their skivvies. <laughs> and maybe you do it. You maybe you're paying for something not to happen. So maybe there's an actual consequence to the, the pledge drive not being met for that challenge grant. Wasn't the consequence the radio station goes off the air? Well, I don't know. I, I mean, they they kind of tiptoe around that, but it's never really explicitly said, like, we are going to have to fire employees or we're not going to be able to play, you know, fresh air anymore because we can't afford to buy it. So maybe being a little upfront about the consequences would help. So, okay, now, I'm going to jump over. Um uh, Christy, I know you. I know this is. I don't want you to wear your marketing hat for a minute. Go back to your corporate marketing days. What would you suggest? <laughs> oh wow. Well, you know, I think what's interesting about you know public television and radio is that you know it's all you have so many different audiences, and I think a real cool opportunity is to maybe enroll, especially some of the younger audiences, not only in the media but also you know giving because we have a lot of young. Um, wealth and great jobs, and, and our city is just growing as a service-based 
city that um, I'd love to see some fun young events that bring in, you know, your 20s and 30s um, crowds that, you know, are maybe new to philanthropy and giving in general. Okay, so that, that's that, a great point. That's a fun idea. Stephen, what would you do to um, engage some of the younger folks? Perfect. That brings me to the second idea. So the thank you gift. The thank you gifts are not that great. So you you pledge $90 and you get like a travel mug or a weather radio or a tote bag with, okay, that's kind of boring. So how about pledge for Pilsner? So you will get beer. If you <laughs> I love and that it. Wouldn't be, that actually wouldn't be too hard to pull off because some company subsidizes those tote bags and travel mugs and all the other stuff. So why not engage a local brewery to say if you if you donate even at the ten that I think if you donate at the ten dollar level, come in and get a free beer. So it, you're engaging the younger audience, giving a good thank you gift, and you're sort of opening the door to those smaller donations. Because I think the I think the starting donations that they typically ask for is like the ninety dollar level. So if you get into the micro donations, that's a pledge for Pilsner. I think that would help out a lot. Well, I'm not so sure about the Pledge for Pilsner, A, because I don't drink beer, and I think there's so much emphasis on beer, you forget that a lot of people still don't drink beer. Um, and the other thing is, I'm not sure that's legal in the state of Indiana with our um, interesting and um, quaint liquor laws, but I think that you're yeah. on a great idea with the micro-lending. We're seeing so much of a move towards that. Kickstarter, of course, that mm -hmm. has online service that lets you donate any amount of money to see various charitable and creative works happen, um, things like Kiva, which are micro-loans to um, mm -hmm. people in developing countries. And so I think that sometimes there's so much of an emphasis. You know, they talk about, oh, you can give it to visionary circle level, which is $500 right. $999. And I'm like, I can give $5 a month. That's not enough. I think sometimes there's so much emphasis on mm -hmm. those big donations that you forget that, you know, pennies build a dollar and dollars build the station. Well, and I think um, if you can't give away beer, maybe you give away cupcakes. Um, and, cupcakes, yeah. You know, or, um, you know, fried Twinkies because we seem to like those as well. Um, but, you know, maybe you get a couple of food vendors who um, are looking for a little bit of promotion, and in exchange yep. for free on-air promotion, they donate a certain amount. Um, and... I think I, I think this, this pledge drive, they're pushing donations on the website more than they ever have. But, you know, maybe yeah. create an offline event where they take, instead of doing the pledge drive in the studio, they take it somewhere. Take it to the IUPUI campus. Mm -hmm. Take mm -hmm. it to um, the circle at lunchtime and get, you know, have a booth where people can stop by and for a $25 pledge, they get a cupcake. You know, yep. so even if you have to buy the cupcakes, you're still coming out. I'll do anything you know, for a damn cupcake. Yeah, Allison's yeah. when comes to cupcakes. But um, but I think that, um, I, I think kind of two things. One, tapping into um, our city's love of food, but also turning it into a little bit of an event. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, and okay, I really remember. Last. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. Please. Go ahead, Christy. Oh, I was just going to say, remember, I think that, especially for targeting younger people, we're more experience-oriented. You know, we were the kids of the mm -hmm. last key parents who just bought us stuff. So the last thing we want is more stuff, but we now live for experiences. 
So, you know, teaming up with maybe Indie Hub to create an experience for the givers, I think, you know, selling philanthropy and giving and then creating experiences is that thank you because, you know, most of your 20s and 30s, you know, they don't want any more stuff. They live for the experiences. And I will say WFYI does do many of these things that we're talking about. They will set up in various restaurants and solicit donations there. I think that they do have an under-40 professional group um, where, for instance, they have uh, one of the local shows is the uh, Blues House Party. I believe that last time they had a pledge there was a Blues House Party uh, donor event for under-40 professionals who donated. So they are actually doing a lot of things that we're talking about. But then I think um, also to that next generation, I, I mean, we've got several college campuses here in Indianapolis. You've got IUPUI, Butler, and the University of Indianapolis. Why not do on the campus? Mm -hmm. Okay, folks, I'm getting the warning that we're running out of time as always. This is so much fun. Christy, thanks for participating in the call and staying with us through the half-baked marketing idea. Um, Stephen, um, thank you, thank you for another lively topic. Sure. And folks, if you've enjoyed today's program, if you'd like to learn more about marketing, networking, social media, and web design, be sure to check out our blog at www.roundpeg.biz. We'll be back next week. Um, we'll be talking to Nathan Hand about social media and the not-for-profit community. We hope you'll join us again. This has been another episode of More Than a Few Words. Thanks for listening. <laughs>